you are far too young to be this curmudgeonly. Is that a curmudgeonly? Don't think it's a word, but I... Why do my headphones sound terrible? Maybe it's your voice. I sound like I have... <laughs> I sound like we're underwater. Oh. Yeah, these headphones are busted. That's what, weird. What junkers. So you're really not going to hand out Halloween candy? You're going to turn off all the lights and go down your basement? Yeah. Oh, sad. I mean, I'm going to use the cop-out excuse. It's a pandemic. I'm keeping it safe. Yeah, but you never give out candy. I did last year, and I had maybe 10 people show up, and half of them were teenagers. And I was like, you know what? Never again. Wow. Yeah. So I, I, don't get me wrong. I'm going to buy a box of candy, but I'm going to sit in the basement and eat that myself. And your your tradition is you order fried chicken on Halloween? Yeah, I don't know why that's a thing. Huh. But every Halloween I eat fried chicken. So I'm going to go pick up some fried chicken and then sit in the darkness and just brood. What time does brooding end? And you feel you can safely go back upstairs again and, you know, not have to deal with trick-or-treaters? I'll say anyone who comes after 9 p.m. deserves a, a SWAT. Okay. Yeah, you don't come after 9 o'clock. Tend oh. to be safe, but... I think after nine o'clock, it's safe to reemerge. A lawn chair is a good town chair, but you're aware of that. It falls down to half the size, so you can lay it flat. I can watch the world go by and live without a care. I've never had a bad time in my old lawn chair. I'm Garner Andrews. That's Bryce Kelly sitting right over there. We are the Lawn Chair Prophets. Oh, man. Uh, coming up on this edition, it's going to be sad. Uh, I hope you're listening alone because one of, one of Canada's most beloved bands, USS, Ubiquitous Synergy Seekers. A two-piece band from Toronto, Ontario. Seek them out on uh, Spotify, Apple Music, Google. Yeah. Is, is that a music thing? I'm sure it is. Just look up USS. Listen to some of their music if you're not familiar. But anyway, they're calling it a career. We will talk to Human Kebab from USS on this podcast shortly. But right now, roll the music. The scariest thing that ever happened to you. I hope someone's listening to this for the first time and it's like Christmas Eve. Yeah. Like, why are they talking about scary <laughs> ass? <laughs> That's the thing about these things. You never know when people are listening, but we're recording it. What is it? Few days Three out. days before Halloween. Yeah, so yeah. it's just about Halloween. Yeah, so we thought we'd tell st scary stories. Uh, there are some good ones. There's, we're going to get to one in a few minutes here. Um, frosted glass terrifies me. You know? Mm. Like you can just sort of see silhouettes moving behind frosted glass. Oh, I thought maybe you thought it uh, clashed with your subway tiles. Oh, it does. Totally. But no, when you can see just a silhouette of a figure behind it, imagine you come home late at night, you're in your bathroom, you're looking in the mirror, and you can see a shadowy figure standing in your shower. We're, we're going to talk to that person shortly. Uh, this one right here, Bryce, it's kind of long-winded, but I think the payoff is there. This says, hey, this is actually my mom's story, but I was part of it. When I was a newborn, my parents had people renting their basement suite that had a shared entrance. My mom was home alone and heard the door open. She didn't hear my dad, so she assumed it was the downstairs people, which would be the great name of a slasher flick, the downstairs people. Ooh, I'd watch that. Uh, she was nursing me in the kitchen. She heard someone still in the entrance, so she said, Hello? No one responded. So she asked, Who's there? 
and was about to get up and go see when a man in a black face mask came in and held up a knife. He told her not to say anything and started to move closer to her to put the knife to her neck. She must have been squeezing me too tight because I started to scream, which then caught them both off guard. Then my mother started to scream. Oh no, I guess the kids started to scream first. One of the renters happened to be home, heard the screaming and started to run up the stairs. The guy panicked, ran out the door, jumped the fence. They never found him. My mom still hates being home alone. That was in 1979. Vanessa, on a night much like tonight. <laughs> oh, that is super creepy. That's a good one. And even creepier is that I just started watching that documentary about uh, the Golden State Killer. Oh, uh, on HBO. I'll be gone in the dark. I'll be gone in the dark. And because this is that premise. It's the same time too. It was, it was in the seventies when he was doing all that business down there. And if you know oh. anything about the Golden State Killer, which I do, after one episode of this documentary. Oh yeah, you're practically an encyclopedia. Yeah. You're a murderpedia. That was his uh, mo. As the police say. Uh, Bryce, uh, that is motive, modus operandi, <laughs> right? God, you, can you tell we used to be cops? Oh, but that's what happened. He would just show up with a mask on inside someone's house. But even Ooh. though, oh, you haven't got, um, I'll yell spoiler alert. He gets to the point though, where he ties up the dude. Yeah. He, he, he took it up a couple notches. Yeah. And then. But to have ooh. someone in a mask show up with a knife in your home. Yeah. Ooh. Uh, this this was one of my, I marked this as one of my favorites. I love this. Well, I shouldn't say I love it. I'm sure it was terrifying. Uh, a couple of years ago, I was driving to work and some random dude sat up in the back seat of my van. <laughs> I saw him in the mirror and almost crapped myself. I hit the brakes so hard the guy whacked his head on the roof and I almost caused an accident. I jumped out of my van right there on the side of a very busy major road. Another car stopped immediately and the driver got out to see what was going on and to check if I was okay. I was crying and told her there was a guy in my van. By this time, a couple more cars had stopped and a group of people got this guy out. It turns out he crawled into my unlocked van in the alley behind my house the night before and was still asleep when I drove away. The last I saw of him was him just standing there in the ditch while we all drove away. (laughs) Donna. (laughs) Wow. So when you get stranded at the side of a major freeway because you were a creepy guy in the back of somebody's van, how do you get home from there? Like, do you have to hitchhike? That is a walk of shame that you have to do there. Because it's not like you'd be standing on the shoulder with your thumb out next to a car. People would have questions like, what are you doing out here on this major <laughs> highway with no... Do you say, oh, yeah, it was... Uh, yeah, uh, just funny story. Cr- funny story. You're never going to believe what happened when I was drinking last night. <laughs> God, that's a good one. Because that's something that you see in horror films. Like you get a tight shot of the driver. You know, usually they're listening to AM radio, driving at night, and then the camera kind of swivels over and you see a silhouette in the backseat. Ooh, that is creepy. Yeah. A couple takeaways are one, uh, I know I'm a bad person because if someone just slammed on the brakes in front of me on a busy roadway, my reaction would not be to stop and see if they need help. No, yours would be to honk and raise a finger. Yes, I would be raging behind the wheel. Yeah. This stupid idiot, learn to drive. I'd be doing that. Well. And I, just imagine how confusing that is 
I like to think that this guy wasn't so much a creep as he had just, I don't know, maybe it was his birthday the day before. Swung a little too hard. Yeah, swinging from the chandeliers, crawled into what he thought was his home, but turned out to be the van next door. <laughs> the back of the van. <laughs> All of a sudden he's waking up, he's like, huh? Well, yeah, maybe he woke up and he's like, am I being kidnapped? <laughs> what is going on here? They were both probably terrified. And the next thing you know, you're thrown out into a ditch and then everyone drives away. <laughs> <laughs> no, first... A vigilante posse shows up and hauls your ass out of the back of the van and then leaves you in the ditch. Oh, man. I like to think that it was completely innocent on his part. But in reality, he probably was a creep. Uh, Okay, I got to grab this one right here. Hello? Hey, Garner. Hey, you want to give your first name? Norm. Frosted glass terrifies me. Absolutely. It needs to be banned. Um, But, Norm, your story does involve... You standing in your bathroom and a shadowy figure behind the frosted glass. Please tell us that story. So I was still living at home. This is quite a few years ago in St. Albert. And I had been out somewhere and uh, came home. My bedroom was down in the basement and as was uh, my bathroom. And I came home. I had used the bathroom and I just walked in and I just happened to uh, look in the mirror. And I just saw the outline of this of this obviously obvious person standing you know right behind me in the shower and i turned around and the door was partially open and uh and uh he just stepped out and it was just this teenager who looked as frightened as i was i was going to phone the police and uh before i knew it uh he bolted and i i tried to reach out for him but then i decided i shouldn't do that in case he had a knife or something and uh, he was gone out the back door. So I phoned the police, and uh, uh, they came a few minutes later, and uh, and uh, they ended up getting some prints off of the window that he came through. And then um, I was invited down to the police station to look at a mug book, and uh, lo and behold, I found his picture. And uh, the police said, "Oh, it's it's uh, it's uh, no you know no big surprise that you couldn't catch him. We've chased this guy before, and he's very fast." And um, that was kind of the end of it until a couple months later, I got a call that he'd been arrested in, in Saskatchewan. So uh, so I guess he was kind of a career criminal, even though he was still in his teens. So when you saw this shadowy figure through the frosted glass in your shower, at that point, had you been doing what a lot of us do in the bathroom where you talk to yourself, you maybe... No, I hadn't been in the bathroom long enough. I just kind of stood there and I just tried to process exactly what I was seeing and was I was at, was I actually seeing somebody behind me like it was just such such a shock to see this form behind me that I you know and and when I turned around I mean I could see him kind of standing there through the through the crack in the door because it wasn't closed all the way and and yeah I was just I didn't know what to think at that at that point in time because there was this this person standing there you know right behind me and I mean, he could have easily come out and attacked me from behind, uh, and, but he, you know, he didn't before I saw him. But uh, yeah. no, it was it was terrifying. Okay, hey Norm, thank you for this. I really appreciate it. No problem, Garn. I shower at three thirty in the morning. I go into the bathroom at three thirty in the morning. There's frosted glass. That's all I'm going to be able to think about now. I don't know what's worse, the frosted glass, or like I just have a shower curtain that Ooh. you can't see through. Yeah. So now every time I'm just going to punch it. From one side to the other. Take it up a notch. Just stab it. <laughs> Take a great big night. Every morning when you get up for work, just stab the shower curtain. Oh, 
Uh, yeah, that one was terrifying. That's awful. I yeah. couldn't imagine going in there. Uh, and maybe you just like, you just had a long day. You're you're about to have an argument with someone. Oh, oh. You, know? <laughs> you finally thought of a comeback from earlier in the day. Yeah, like seven hours ago. You're like, yeah. Oh, zing. So you started just having this pretend argument with someone in the mirror. Yeah. All of a sudden, you just see someone in the back. I don't Ooh. know, like, about you or anybody listening to this right now, but... Uh, the bathroom is usually where I do my best self-loathing. You know, that's where I talk to myself. You're so stupid. Nobody loves you. You know, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But that everybody does, right? Yeah. Yeah. That every- Sure. And then next thing you know, you got some punk in your shower listening to you in the depths of your self-loathing and despair and Imagine shame. it could have been worse. One, he could have been a murderer. That would have yeah. been worse. But two... Imagine this guy, like, it was one of those things where he was driving home. It's going to be a photo finish. He finally walks in, kicks in the bathroom door, and just barely makes it to the toilet. <laughs> and he's doing some work. He's putting in putting <laughs> he's, some work. Just does some damage to that. He's thing. got a hand towel <laughs> twist rolled up, and you're just biting down on it. You're just biting through the pain. Yeah, he's just, And then some kid steps out of your shower. Oh, oh, that'd be horrible. That would be maybe the only thing. I think I'd rather be murdered. Yeah. Again, I'm sure it was terrifying, Norm. <laughs> that was terrifying. That was uh, a bad one. This one. When I was 13, our house was the target of a home invasion. Ooh. My parents had taken in a man from our church so he could get his life together. Turns out he owed some people some money and they came to collect. I don't want to downplay the terror that some people experience when it comes to a home invasion, but I can honestly say I barely knew what happened. I was in my room doing homework, heard some loud voices from downstairs, didn't even get up to look. About 10 minutes later, my aunt came to my room and told me what happened. Fortunately, the invaders were just there to deliver a threat. My parents asked their guest from the church to leave, and that was the last we ever heard of him or the invasion. Oof. Uh, you probably don't want to shit. Like, I don't know. It's a great story and everything, but you downplayed it too much. I want home invasion. I want to think of those as being terribly, terribly frightening. Like, I don't want to, I don't want the home invasion to become a, oh yeah, somebody tossed my car. Like somebody went through my glove box. Cause that's what it feels like. Yeah. No, I want some real life or death. Mm-hmm. Is that so much to ask for? Uh, Garner and Bryce, I once came home, interrupted a burglary. I walked in, saw two guys pulling stuff off a shelf in my living room. I said, hey, they both looked at me and just walked right past me (laughs) and out the front door. They didn't say a word and didn't take a thing. It was surreal to say the very least, but scary. Uh, Yeah. It'd be a little confusing just to walk in and there's people there taking your candlesticks or whatever it is they're trying to steal. Hey. You? Um, hello? Then they just don't say anything and just like, oh. That's where it gets creepy. They don't say a word. They just walk out. Ooh. Yeah. Cut the tension more if they'd been like, oh, this is embarrassing. Yeah. Why is my face red? We thought you were at work till 4.30. (laughs) My apologies. Let us get out of your hair. Uh, here's another one. I've been in banking all my adult life. I've been held up twice, once at gunpoint, once with a knife. Ah. Both times it was very, very scary, but the knife was scarier because I was about 60 to 70% certain the gun was fake. The knife, however, was very real. Wendy. Yeah. Okay, because I was thinking the gun would have been worse. 
Well, yeah. Although I'd like her percentages to be higher. Yeah, yeah. I don't think you want to take a 30% chance that the gun is going to take you out. Wendy, by the way, that's the name of somebody that works in a bank, right? Oh, yeah. She's the life of the office, too. If you're, oh, and muffins. Oh, my God, she makes good muffins. <laughs> and a birthday cake for everybody on staff. Whenever it's your birthday, Wendy is there with a birthday cake. Now held up at knife point at a bank. That's pretty good. That would be scary. Yeah, it'd be terrifying. You know, Wendy reminds me of, I think it might be the same actor. She's the uh, school secretary in Ferris Bueller's Day Off. And she works behind the rental car counter in planes, trains, and automobiles. Oh, okay. Anybody, people will know what I'm talking. That's a Wendy. That's a Wendy right there. Okay. Can we grab another phone call here? Let's do it. Do you want to talk to a locksmith or who else do we have on hold? The locksmith sounds pretty good. The locksmith? Yeah. Okay, let's do it. Hi. Hi, Garner. It's uh, James calling. Hey, James. Um, I have I have a creepy story. Oh, I'd love to hear it. Um, I've been a locksmith in Edmonton for about 20 years. And uh, for one summer, um, all of my coworkers were calling me Dr. Death because I was getting calls where landlords would say, I haven't heard from this guy in a couple of weeks and rent is due. I slipped a notice under the door, so uh, I need you to let me in. And... I'm sure you can fill in the rest. <laughs> oh, my God. I never even thought of that that might be something that happens to locksmiths. Oh, yeah. No, it's and, and it's funny because when I started, all the old timers would tell me, like, oh, just wait. Like, you're going to have a ton of these stories uh, yourself. And, you know, 20 years later, I, yeah, I've had uh, some pretty crazy things happen to me. Right. So, so when you open the door of an apartment for a landlord or a house where nobody's heard from, do you just, is that where your job ends or do you go in? Oh, I, you know what? Like in the beginning, I, when I was a young boy locksmith, I would, I would, you know, stand next to the landlord while they're walking around. I would talk to them and everything. Now I like, I open the door and I just, I'm like, I'm stepping back. I'll be in the hallway. You just do your thing. Yeah. Because the first time that it happened, um, unfortunately, the guy passed in a uh, in a bathtub filled with water. And the uh, smell stayed in my coveralls. And I had to actually, like, they were nice car, car hearts. And I actually threw them out. Yeah, I never even thought about that, <laughs> that the smell would stay with you. Oh, man, it was, it was absolutely horrified. And then... Um, the second time it happened, I actually just opened the door slightly and I could smell it. And I was like, nope, just threw my hands up in the air and kind of was like, you go right ahead, sir. And he walked in and was just like, you know, freaking out, going, call 911. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, no problem. <laughs> Ooh, that's, I can, I've never smelled death. Uh, you have though, Bryce? I have, yeah. That actually reminds me of... Maybe that was in your apartment building. Ooh, maybe. Have I told that story here before? I don't know, but it never gets old. Oh, where I was living in an apartment and the guy across the hall from me died and that's how they found him was from the smell. And they had to do a thing. I think, I don't know how they got in. I would assume the landlord would have keys to get in. So I think the landlord went in and he kind of told me that he went in, took three steps and was like, oh, okay. I see what happened here. And uh, yada, yada, yada. Police had to come. They had to remove. They had to biohazard team had to come to clean the smell out 
when the cops went in, did they do that move where they put Vic's vapor vapor rub underneath their like between their upper lip and nose? Oh, I never understood that until I smelled. I think he'd been dead for a couple weeks. Oh, I think. oh, I thought it was like a couple days. No, I think it would have been a couple weeks. It was ripe, and that smell is awful. So I completely buy what he's selling over here. Yeah, that's the one thing they don't teach you in locksmith school or building management school. Oh, yeah. Oh, you want to be the landlord of a building? Yeah. Guess well, what? You're going to see some things. Yeah. Oh, I can't imagine. Yeah, you want to be a locksmith? Guess what you're going to walk into? Uh, Even police officers. Like You go and I'm sure they kind of brace you for it, but that it, smell. Well, Oof. I'll tell you, a friend of mine is a police officer, RCMP officer, and he deals with that almost on a daily basis. Unreal. Yeah. Unreal. It would be so weird to get numb to that smell. Oh. Uh, do you want... This This one's kind of long, but there's a pretty good payoff. Okay. I think. Uh, this was my first year of university. I was taking a late class that got out at 6 p.m. It was my dad's birthday, so I ducked out of class early to come home and have dinner with my family. It was January, about 5.15 p.m. when I got off the bus and headed home. I walked into our cul-de-sac. Our house is the middle one, and it was, it was dark, not a single light on. Some context here. My father did construction. My mother was a stay-at-home mom. And my brother was in elementary school, so on a school day, there was no reason for no lights. I get to the door. Front door is locked. I walk in. No, front door is unlocked. I walk in, turn on the hall light, and walk to the back of the house, put on the back hall light, and blood. There's blood drops on the floor. The back door is also unlocked, and the handle is bloody. I turn on the kitchen light, And in the middle of an otherwise empty table is a bloody rag and more drops on the kitchen floor. No one was home. The closet was in disarray. My mom's purse was gone. It was terrifying. I found a message from my brother on the answering machine. They told me, my dad has cut his fingers off while working on the planer in the woodworking shop. I went out to the garage and just remembered the bloody sawdust. I went in and called my father's foreman, who told me to call an adult. (laughs) Yeah, in case of an emergency, I used to always call my dad's boss. (laughs) I don't understand that part. Uh, Called my father's foreman, who told me to call an adult. Did so and spent the evening with my father's best friend trying to regain my nerve. My dad lost three fingers, but now always jokes it was taking him way long to way too long to clip his nails before this. Oh, what a dad joke. Uh, but I just remember my own personal horror movie. It's been 23 years and still vivid as F. Wow. That'd be a weird scene to walk into in your childhood home. Yeah. Kick down the door and there's blood everywhere. No one's around. Ooh. Bloody rag on the table. Yeah. Ew, gross though. I need um I need a palate cleanse. Okay. I don't know what though. That one was pretty disgusting. Sleep paralysis. Ooh, oh. a lot of these came in. Yeah. Is that just an upgrade from like how we used to have nightmares and then the nightmares got upgraded to night terrors and now night terrors aren't scary enough so now it's sleep paralysis. This is where you can't tell like you're awake but not awake your body can't move yeah 
Uh, it just This one here says, recently I had sleep paralysis. I woke up, couldn't move. I swore that someone was standing over me and I was so scared. I wanted to run to my baby's room and wake my husband up to protect them, but I couldn't even scream, Steph. Ooh, couldn't even scream. Yeah. I don't know if I'm sold on sleep paralysis. <laughs> I hope it never happens to me. I'm sure it's a bad time for a few seconds. Oh, I'm sure it is. But a lot of people calling it with sleep issues. A lot of people, that's where their biggest terrors have come from. Oh, sleepwalking. Sleep. Yeah. Do people still sleepwalk, though? Or is that something you grow out of at nine years old? I've never seen it before. Oh. I don't know if I've ever seen another adult do it. I oh. think I'd be terrified by that. I don't do it. I've never seen someone do it. It seems like one of those things that doesn't really happen. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, do people still sleepwalk? I could. I always sleep, used to sleepwalk as a kid, but just about five years ago, I was put on a prescription that I didn't know the effects of it, and then one morning at 3 o'clock in the morning, I couldn't get back into our condo because I left without a key because I was sleepwalking, so I had to buzz my husband it let me in because I was outside but didn't know that it wasn't like that, that it was three o'clock in the morning that I was walking through the neighborhood <laughs> for about half an hour yeah so but, people do still sleepwalk yes oh gosh yeah yes yes huh. yeah it's not something that goes away well hope she was dressed <laughs> for the weather you try Ugh. and get on a bus at three o'clock in the morning and you're naked oh that's awkward for everyone it sure is oh sleepwalking seems it just seems like a world of awkwardness could happen. Oh, yeah. Because what if you do sleep in the nude and you're staying at your in-law's house? Oh. Again, it's Christmas Eve. You're at your in-law's and all of a sudden you're... Everybody gets a present. Yeah. Oh, boy. Uh, somebody said, I woke up a friend urinating in my pantry. He was sleepwalking. <laughs> I hope he didn't get the rice. <laughs> like, do you... When, when somebody's <laughs> sleep in your pantry do you just does everything hit the dumpster how do you clean that up it's food it's pee it's gross yeah i also i don't know maybe it's the cynical side of me but i also assume that guy wasn't sleepwalking maybe they just had an argument and he's just like he's just peeing and then he got caught peeing yeah uh, sleepwalking well, where am i what it turns out he just really really hates campbell's soup <laughs> Can't stand Campbell's soup. Oh, yeah, he wasn't sleeping. He knew yeah. what he was doing. Uh, hey, Garner and Bryce, not sure if this fits, but it was scary to me. My ex used to sleepwalk. Multiple times I found him passed out in the bathtub what? with just his nose above the water. Ooh. He would also open all the cupboards and doors in the house, still convinced he was possessed. Yeah. Oh, that'd be a little weird. Yeah. Finding him just barely bobbing above water. Uh, so I'm known to sleepwalk at, this is a text. This is not me. These are not my words. Uh, so I'm known to sleepwalk at times. A few years ago, I woke up in the morning with dirt in my mouth and under my nails. Confused, I washed it all, not knowing what the hell happened. Later that morning, I leave my apartment and I'm greeted by my upset landlord. She was complaining about those damn animals digging up her garden I think I was that animal. <laughs> well, that would be that would be the most terrifying thing in the world. Like, say you're walking home from your restaurant job or something. It's two, three o'clock in the morning, 
and you see somebody down on all fours eating a garden, eating a flower bed? Yeah, digging it with their hands and eating the dirt. Oh my God. Oof. That's when you cross the street. Go to the other side of the road. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh boy. Move to a new city. Oh, we had some people comment on uh, on Facebook as well. Yeah. We have Jade who said, my husband woke up to me stuffing Kleenex in his mouth once. I told him I was blowing the baby's nose. Ooh. That'd be a weird off-putting way to wake up. Have you ever had Kleenex in your mouth? <laughs> yeah. I get the feeling it'd be like you would feel like you were dying, like you were choking to death. <laughs> yeah, I feel like that's the way they interrogate people in Guantanamo Bay. Yeah, there's not enough water to quench that thirst after. Yeah, you either get waterboarded or you get Kleenex put in your mouth. Uh, oh, this is one of my n- worst nightmares. It says... I tend to fart in my sleep. We were at a friend's house watching a movie and I fell asleep and guess who let out a ripper during the movie? <laughs> yep. Me, Chris. Um, <laughs> if I knew, thank you for that, Chris. If I knew that I was a sleep farter, I would never fall asleep. I would be too afraid that I would have a Chris moment and everyone would hear I would not even be comfortable like spending a weekend at a family member's house or a friend's house and going to the guest room because hollow core door, like everybody can, <laughs> everybody can hear you tucked into bed at night. Just, <laughs> just like, I would start traveling with a steel reinforced commercial grade fire door that oh, when I got to the person's house, I'd have to install a door and they'd be like, did you bring a 32 inch? And I'm like, no, I got a 34. So, like, I would actually travel with a selection of fire doors just to try and muffle that sound. Man, just flapping Ooh. cheeks everywhere you go. Yeah, you couldn't sleep on planes. Imagine. You couldn't sleep in cars. <laughs> Imagine being on a plane oh. and that's what happens. Yeah. Oh. Uh, <laughs> do you want to have one more of these and then we'll move on? This one's really short. It's uh, three sentences. It says, when I drink, I sleepwalk. The wife had to stop me from pooping in her closet. Wow. Not my proudest moment, Kevin. Oof. Whew. Man, when they say for better or for worse when you're exchanging your vows. Oh. I don't think you assume worse means sleep pooping in the closet. Yeah. And it's spring and your wife had just busted out her spring wardrobe. <laughs> A lot of whites. <laughs> yeah, she was she just washed her old wedding dress and was laying Not it out to dry. wedding dress. <laughs> Oh, Kevin. The Lawn Chair Profits with Garner Andrews and Bryce Kelly. Garner, you mentioned it earlier. Uh, We have a special guest with us today. So USS has been, they've really blown up over the last decade or so. Yeah. I think it's been maybe about 13 years since they've been a band. And they just recently announced that they're going to release one final album in January. And that caught a lot of people off guard. They expected a new album, but the fact that it's their final album... Really surprised a lot of people. Yeah. It just, it was, it's kind of sad too. Like you think about, you have to wonder, is it because of the pandemic? Like, is that what's going on? Or was it just time? Yeah. So we were wondering, we decided to get in touch because we know these guys. Yeah. We went to Mexico with these guys. Yeah. We were friends with these guys and it caught us off guard. And it seemed like they were just kind of in the middle of their, of their business. Yeah. And all of a sudden they're calling it quits. So we got Human Kebab from USS here who's going to explain what, oh, what led them to call it a career. Yeah, we uh, we knew it was going to come as a, a shock and a surprise, but um, I don't think anybody really um, 
could anticipate that 2020 was going to reveal news of any nature anymore that is either good or bad. But uh, in our case, um, we just felt like 13 years later, um, this being album number six, uh, it was time to hang up the skates. And um, we've had the most incredible journey. We've been to 12 countries. We've we've done everything that we, we think we could have done as USS. And um, we're just happy that we made music that we love and that our fans love. I mean, like, that's the one thing about... Uh, live music and being a recording artist and starting a musical project is that there's really no rules. And I think that um, maybe sometimes there's artists uh, before us, during us and after us that have come to that um, crossroads where they have to decide, like, are you going to commit the rest of your energy and life force to this one thing? Can you diversify or should you just move on to the next thing? And I think that's where Ashley and I are at. Jay, I want to talk to you a bit about the year 2020 and it's affected everyone differently. Uh, but a lot of people, uh, I want to talk to you about just being a musician in this year. I think a lot of people assume that when you're in a popular band like USS and you play these big shows and you've played Rexall Place and you've played these things, that people just assume that you're Scrooge McDucking into a pool full of money, that you got made in the shade. And they don't realize that a lot of the USS money comes from being on the road and selling merch and things like that. And in a year when you can't do that, when you're kind of, you're stuck at home, just like we're stuck at home, that it can be very difficult. And I just wanted to get the perspective of a professional touring musician who hasn't been able to really do their craft for this year. And who knows how long before you can finally hit the road again, the uncertainty that you must have. Yeah. I mean, going back to making plans and plans being canceled, uh, because of this worldwide virus. Um, I mean, I don't pay much mind to the consequences of losing live music. Um, uh, because I'm still here. I'm still surviving. I'm healthy. Um, you know, I can, I can still pay my bills and, and that's, that's a beautiful thing to me. It's the fact that you can do that. And, you know, I don't have to go back onto the roof in 2020 during a global pandemic. Um, it has been amazing and I'm grateful every day, but, um, yeah, the, the sad truth for those of us in entertainment that have to get on an airplane or get on a bus and travel to Edmonton, Alberta, to play these big shows, to uh, continue to sustain our art and our livelihoods. It's just been, I mean, I have so many mixed emotions about it because on the one hand, I just love playing shows. Like I, I never signed up for this thing for the ego or the popularity. I signed up for it because like I love dancing and jumping around and crowd surfing and getting in with the audience and meet and greets and VIPs and going out to a bar afterwards and running into fans and making new friendships and relationships and just being a human being and to take all that away. Um, it, I've definitely had these like really, really dark moments for the first time in my life where I've had to look inward and just be like, what does it all mean? Like, what am I doing? What are we doing as a band? But like the career path I chose is now the most vulnerable place on earth to be in an adult human being in 2020. And it's like, I'm sure in Edmonton, it's the same as in Toronto the number of venues that have shut down indefinitely. Um, I see that and I'm like, you know what? Those people rely on people like us. We rely on them. And now neither one of us can do business and it's now affecting our bottom line and our livelihood. You know, like where, where do I go? Like, what do I do now? What do those venue owners do? What do those promoters that used to bring all those artists from like the 50 person coffee shop on white Avenue all the way uh, to Roger's place, like, what do they do now? You know, and it's like, it's had this wholesale 
decimating effect on so many of us. And I feel like those of us that um, can stay positive and optimistic naturally, um, we have to use that energy now to keep the rest of us going. And uh, I've seen a lot of bad stuff, but I've seen a lot of good stuff um, with people that are in a position like myself. And um, it seems like everybody's getting through, but it's definitely humbling to hear the bad stories because you just realize that um, it's up to you, your own destiny. And I mean, just because I chose to be a live uh, touring musician and recording artist doesn't mean that I have any more stability than the next person. Totally. And it just must make you salivate at the idea when you finally get that green light and you can go back on stage and do the crowd surfing and all of that stuff that that day will come again. We don't know when it's going to be, but when it happens, I think people are going to go insane. Yeah, I hope so. I mean, like, again, none of us have ever been through this. Like, I've been reading up a lot on what happened in the Spanish flu a hundred years ago, but I mean, that was coming off of a world war and none of the advances in, in, uh, on planet earth that have come in the last hundred years were even close to the, to where they are now to de- from then. And I feel like personally on the live side for musicians, um, it might even take it. Like to me, it feels like it might take a few years because of the confidence that, that, uh, that people are going to have and, re-entering a, a sweaty room or crowd and being next to somebody rubbing up against them. I mean, like, here in Toronto, when I walk down Bloor Street, like, people, like, dive off the sidewalk in oncoming, tra- on, oncoming traffic if they see too many people gathered together. And it's like, what's it going to take for us as human beings to get back into a comfortable space where you don't mind sweating on the person beside you? <laughs> 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 yeah, that's a... That's a weird way to ask an honest question. (laughs) Hey, I've had a lot of time to think about it, Bryce. It's pretty true. Yeah. We don't know when we're all going to feel okay to go back into a small room and listen to loud music. And it's not like a USS show is one where you sit with your hands folded politely in your lap. No. No. They they like to get people moving and get sweaty down there. And they like to crowd surf and do all that fun stuff. Yeah. So it could be a while. But hopefully we get to see those guys one more time in the next year or two or whatever it is get them to say their final goodbye, and then they'll go their separate ways and do something different. In the meantime, the brand new song from the album is called Happy, and the new album comes out in January. Yeah, January 8th. Thanks for listening to the Lawn Chair Profits with Garner Andrews and Bryce Kelly. Theme by Garner Andrews. Guests of the Lawn Chair Profits drink tap water. Mmm, tasty.